The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Main Street Vegan. Such a pleasure to be spending this hour with you. We are, after the first break, going to bring on one of my favorite dietitians, Jack Norris, co-author of Vegan for Life. So if you have dietary questions and you want to give a call, the number is 888-558-6489. But right now, we are joined by one of my favorite human beings, who is also the co-owner of the most exquisite line of handbags that I know of. When I was a teenager and very much into fashion, planning to go to fashion school in London, which I ultimately did, I remember reading a book about fashion, and it said, you're as good as your leather. And once I became vegetarian and stopped using leather, That was always in the back of my mind. And for years and years, I felt that I could look really good as a vegan, but the handbags were never quite, quite what I was hoping. And now, of course, there are lots of wonderful companies that use faux leather of various sorts. But in my opinion, the most exquisite of all is Jill Milan. And my guest today is Jill Frazier, as I said, co-owner of of Jill Milan. Before founding this company, Jill headed up marketing for a number of private and venture-backed technology and consumer product companies. She's a former horse show circuit rider and an animal advocate. She holds degrees from Oxford University in England, and she's a smart lady who's actually in Mensa. She has done everything from serving on the board of the Institute for International Film Financing. She was vice president of the Massachusetts Specialty Foods Association. This is a Renaissance woman. And one of the great things about her is she has a heart of gold and a percentage of all the profits of Jill Milan go for Thoroughbred Rescue. Hey, Jill. Hi, Victoria. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction, and it's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Well, it's always a pleasure to speak with you, and it's certainly a pleasure to be out in the world and have a Jill Milan bag and say to someone who appears to be bored next to me, here, feel my bag. <laughs> and Thank have you, Victoria. Them you wear so them well. <laughs> amazed by the, the exquisiteness of, of these uh, fibers that you use. So tell us the background on your company. 
We were we spent a couple years researching the company before we launched, and then in 2011, we launched with a line of Italian handbags, and we sort of went back to the very traditional method of making them in Italy, meaning hand stitching, custom metals, and had been sourcing fabrics um, that were sort of third-generation vegan, um, meaning a lot of them are recycled, um, very, very beautiful and expensive fabrics that are used by sort of leading car companies as, as well as many other fashion companies. So that, in a very quick nutshell, was the sort of background on the company. And bringing us up to date, I know you have all kinds of celebrities that carry your bags. Tell us who some of them are and where they've been seen. Yeah, we've been lucky. Um, Amy Poehler just carried one of our bags to um, the Emmys. Uh, We were in W last month in the Most Wanted issue. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Anne Hathaway, Eva Longoria have all been on the red carpet with various bags. So... As I said, we've been been very lucky. We've gotten very good reception from stylists and uh, from celebrities. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, everybody who owns one of your bags is very lucky because I think for those of us who really appreciate fashion, they're they're just a cut above. I mean, what can I say? Go to the website, JillMilan, M-I-L-A-N.com, and, and just check these out. It's really, even for just internet window shopping, the <laughs> most wonderful experience. <laughs> so I know that you support animal welfare efforts with every bag that's sold. How do you do that? Uh, we've basically... In some cases, we develop products specifically for organizations. Um, We've worked, as you know, with um, Humane Society. We've also worked with uh, Peninsula Humane Society out here. Um, One of our major partners, though, is Southern California Thoroughbred Rescue, Um, and this is run by a fellow vegan who also, also happens to be a professor at USC. And what she does is she rescues uh, thoroughbreds, and she's basically buying them from auctions where they're at an extremely high risk of going to slaughter. Um, so what we've done in this case uh, for, for the holidays, we've developed a pendant uh, to benefit one of her horses that came in, uh, had been severely injured, um, and she's, of course, incurring a number of vet expenses. So... That's that's certainly one thing we do, but we do many other things, too. Uh, and if you want to look at the lucky pendant, that uh, 100% of the proceeds from that would go to support this wonderful, most deserving horse at Calif- uh, Southern California Thoroughbred Rescue. That is org sctb southern california thoroughbred rescue.org and you can just check out the lucky pendant and have a look at that so joe with all these amazing things in your background i don't see anything about fashion or design how did it pop into your head that you could do handbags well, um, basically what we do is we have a very, very good design team. We have people that have worked for Prada, Judith Lieber, um, designed their own couture lines. So that's how it came into my head. <laughs> and I knew that I had sort of the business background um, and they have the design. Though obviously I'm also very involved in sort of the direction company and in the design too. Um, but we really felt that we needed sort of top pros, I guess, uh, working for us. So that's that's sort of the genesis of it. I see. Well, you're certainly fashionable and beautiful yourself. If you could see this woman, she's tall and statuesque and uh, carries herself like all of us should, proud, healthy <laughs> vegans. So really quickly, with the holidays coming and people making lists for Santa, what what's uh, new and wonderful in the world of handbags? In general, or either way, the, your favorite yeah. one from Jill Milan, or just what you're kind of seeing around yeah. and about? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, what we're seeing, and I think what you're going to see during the next year or so, are a lot of these so-called third-generation fabrics. Um, you know, ours, of course, are sourced in Italy. I think what we're also seeing is more moving away from um, the faux leathers, you know, meaning the products that look like leather and working more sort of with very high-quality cloths um, and just the most spectacular materials, I think, in the year to two years, you're going to see some really, really dramatic changes, which, of course, for me is very exciting, and I'm sure for you, too. Oh, always. This is this is why we need fashion. We need a little bit of change as <laughs> life proceeds through the seasons. Well, Jill, I would love to have you back on in the spring and have some more time to talk about all of these lovely fashionable things. One other thing I do want to ask you really quickly. You have some man bags as well. We're not talking just women, right? Yeah, we're actually, that's a good question because we are, we've developed man bag prototypes and we are launching them um, this spring. So that's very exciting. Um, all Italian fabrics and um, all sort of, you know, again, sort of Italian craftsmanship of hand sewing. So they're, they're quite beautiful uh, and they should be out around March or so. So we're, we're very wonderful. excited. Well, yeah. that would be a great time to have you back. The website is jillmalan.com, sctbrescue.org, if you're interested in the pendant to benefit a most deserving horse. Thank you so much, Jill, and have a beautiful holiday season. Thank you so much, to Victoria, and you too. All the best. So everybody, stay with us, and we will be back with more Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet? And be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. If I were brave, I'd walk the races where fools and dreamers dare to and never lose faith. How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream?
You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan. It is my pleasure to bring on our special guest for the day, Jack Norris. He's co-founder of Vegan Outreach, an animal protection organization that persuades people to go veg through outreach, primarily on college campuses. Jack is also a registered dietitian and the co-author of Vegan for Life, everything you need to know to stay healthy and fit on a vegan diet. He also writes a fabulous nutrition blog, jacknorrisrd.com. Now, I must admit, some of my best friends are bloggers, but I just don't know how regular mortals find the time to read all of them. I read about three, and this is one of them. This is a blog that is just full of information, important, useful information for anybody who's vegan or pregan. Welcome, Jack Norris. Thank you for having me, Victoria, and thank you for your kind words. I'm excited to hear that you read my blog. Oh, well, I, I just, I love what you do, and your co-author of Vegan for Life, Jenny Messina, has been on the show twice. I think what's so wonderful about you guys is that you look at, at food and nutrition in a real-life kind of way, and the things that you recommend are not only backed by your, your scientific education, but also with an understanding of how people actually live on this planet at this time in history, and it just makes so much sense. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so let's jump in first. Dietitians seem to be about nutrients. So what are the nutrients for vegans to pay attention to? Yeah, so uh, most vegans know about the the big one, which is vitamin B12, and you just uh, need to be sure that you have a reliable source. Um, It it can come in a variety of ways, such as... um, through fortified foods. If you're getting it through fortified foods, you should try to get a fortified food at least twice a day because there isn't a whole lot in fortified foods, so you want to be getting it twice. Um, You can also take a a multivitamin supplement if it has 25 to 100 micrograms a a day. And then if you just take a vitamin B12 supplement, you can take it only twice a week if it's 1,000 micrograms or more. If you're over the age of 60, it's a good idea to take 1,000 micrograms every single day um, because people absorb less as they get older. So that's one way to do it. Um, I actually gave three different ways there. Uh, Calcium is the next thing that I think is is of uh, big importance for vegans. It's kind of been a neglected nutrient in the vegan community. Um, One reason for that is because theoretically we can get plenty of calcium from plant foods, such as uh, greens are generally the best source. But um, unfortunately, not many vegans are eating enough greens to uh, get enough calcium. So, in the meat, since since that is the case, I recommend that people make sure that they look at their diet and figure out if they're getting enough calcium and from where, and make sure they do it on a daily basis. Um, so that's another another. Well, I should probably give a couple more sources of calcium. If you don't eat a lot of greens, um, good sources are fortified soy milk. Uh, fortified orange juice, and um, calcium-set tofu can be very high in calcium. You have to look on the the list of the ingredients to see if there's a calcium uh, salt used. Then uh, another nutrient uh, oh, is Jack, vitamin- before, before yes. you go on, can we just sure. stick with calcium for a minute? If one were to try to get all their calcium from greens, which greens and how much? Okay, so at least three servings a day, which is either a half a cup cooked or a full cup raw, and that's shredded. Um, And then the best sources are kale, um, turnip greens, mustard greens, and there are a few greens that are not good sources, and those are spinach and beet greens because they're very high in oxalate, and oxalate prevents the calcium from being absorbed. So the three I named are the best sources, um, once again, kale, turnip, and mustard greens. Collard greens and broccoli and watercress are also decent sources. Um, and I think I covered them all there. Um, 
bok choy is a good source. Okay. Yes. Now you said three servings of, of these. Three good servings foods. a day at least. Um, okay. And, you know, a half a cup cooked isn't that much, but yeah. um, most people don't actually eat that much. So mm-hmm. you really you need to make an effort to do it. There are greens are great sources of calcium because they have many many other ingredients that are good for bones. So um, I definitely want to encourage that, but. The, sometimes people just have to admit that they're not doing it uh, enough of them and get a calcium supplement because research has shown that when vegans get less than um, 525 milligrams of calcium a day, they have a higher rate of bone fracture than non-vegans. Vegans getting more than that um, have the same rate of fracture. So it is definitely an important thing to do. Now, when but, I hear of oxalate, I think more of iron. So does oxalate inhibit the absorption of both calcium and iron? Actually, the research, there's been very little research on oxalate and iron, but it has shown that it does not affect iron absorption. So I would not worry about oxalates and iron. It's mostly oxalates and and calcium. So if you're eating spinach for iron, you're probably, you are absorbing iron. You're just not absorbing much calcium. Okay. All right. Thanks for that. Sure. Move on. (laughs) And then uh, the the next one is vitamin D. I, vitamin D is um, can be a problem for anyone on any diet. It's not necessarily specifically a vegan issue. Vegans have slightly lower vitamin D levels than non-vegans, but they're still in the healthy range. But once in a while, I will come across a vegan who's having a severe vitamin D deficiency. Um, their vitamin D gets so low that it's barely uh, measurable in the um, t- lab tests. And so if you do find that you're feeling fatigued or you're getting bone pain, um, you, need, you should think about vitamin D. I mean, everyone should think about it anyway, especially in the winter if you live in, a, in, in the northern areas of the country um, and because vitamin D can be made through the action of sunlight on your skin, but during the winter that doesn't work. Also, if you live, you can, I've come across many vegans who've gotten, well, many meaning a handful that have gotten vitamin D deficiency that live in the South and they just, either their skin isn't producing enough or they're not getting out enough. So, um, they, everyone should think about it. I think if you're going in for lab tests every few years, it's always helpful to uh, throw vitamin D on the test just to make sure that, um, you're doing okay. There's no reason to run out and get vitamin D tested, though, uh, otherwise, unless you have a reason to think that you're not getting enough. May I ask you? I'm sorry. Of course. So about vitamin D. Now, I do live in the north, and so most of the people that I talk to, I suppose, are in the north. But virtually everyone that I know who's ever had a vitamin D test, including me, was shown to be deficient. I've known people who were prescribed 50,000 units of vitamin D. Then we read later that the body can't even deal with 50,000 units. So how did everybody get deficient all of a sudden? Did they change the kind of test or are we just all staying indoors more? What's going on with that? Well, it's a combination. One one thing, though, to be aware of is that for a while during the uh, early part of the aughts, there was some reason to believe that vitamin D levels needed to be higher than what traditionally was thought. And so a lot of, uh, from what I can tell, a lot of laboratories changed their reference range and they upped it considerably. But more recently, and I think it was 2011, the Institute of Medicine reviewed all the research on vitamin D and uh, longevity and and, um, cancer and that sort of thing, and bone health. And they determined that there was not a reason to increase the reference range for vitamin D. So a lot of people do come to me very um, concerned that their vitamin D levels are low when in fact their vitamin D levels are not lower than what the Institute of Medicine recommends. It just happens that the laboratory reference range was um, uh, much higher than what is being recommended by the Institute of Medicine. So make sure that if it is low that you're not um, go to if you go to veganhealth.org. I have a, a article about bones, which covers or it's called uh, calcium and vitamin D, and it gives the reference range so you can look at it. Um, it depends what units they used, also. So um, that's that's one reason why a lot of people think they're vitamin D deficient. They aren't necessarily. Then the other thing is we do use sunscreen um, because of skin cancer. 
So when people are out in the sun, they typically put on sunscreen so that and your the sun can't make vitamin D or your skin can't make it when there's sunscreen on. Um, so those are a couple of the reasons. Does that answer okay. your question? It does. Thank you. So let's see. You said iron and zinc for some people. Right. Um, so iron is, is generally not an issue for vegan men. Um, but because women lose iron each month, uh, menstruating women do, it can become an issue for some women. And if uh, you suspect, if you find yourself getting tired, then you might suspect that it, it could be iron deficiency anemia. It's best to get tested. It's a very common, easy test, not terribly expensive. Um, and then you can determine for sure if you have iron deficiency anemia. And if so, um, I don't want, let's see, a couple obvious things to do are to um, add vitamin C to meals. So if you eat an orange with each meal, um, then that's going to, vitamin C increases plant iron absorption considerably, and it uh, can overcome some of the inhibitors of plant iron absorption. Then the other thing is to avoid coffee and tea at meals. Coffee and tea prevents iron absorption. So if you, it's fine to drink, but try to keep it away from meals, definitely not within a half an hour of a meal so that you can absorb the iron you eat at that meal. Those are the most obvious things that can be done that will make a big difference. And then just increasing your iron, iron intake, although most vegans have, do eat plenty of iron. Occasionally I come across someone that, it, that doesn't, but greens and beans are good sources of iron. And then zinc for some people. I, I don't think that every vegan needs to take a zinc supplement by any means, but some people do seem to do better if they do. If you find that you're getting... Um, colds easily, then I recommend you, you uh, make, take like the RDA of zinc every day and see if that helps. So zinc can be marginal in vegan diets. It's, uh, am I, are you, do you hear me? I'm hearing you beautifully. Okay, great. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't know if we were still connected. Um, so yeah, uh, zinc can be, vegans tend to get just under the RDA for zinc. Now, the RDA has a padding, so everyone doesn't need to get the RDA of any nutrient, but um, some vegans might be falling a bit short. And this was something that kind of confused me a little bit when I read Neil Barnard's Healthy Foods for the Brain because he was saying that in addition to aluminum and iron and copper being in the brains of people who died of Alzheimer's, there was also zinc there. So it's just confusing. I stopped supplementing for a while, but now I'm feeling like maybe I want to go back. How do people not be confused? Well, that is, uh, it is hard not to be confused. Um, I'm, I'm afraid I got to have to disagree with Neil on this one. If you, and it's, it is a complicated issue, but if you go to my article on cadmium on veganhealth.org, I go through the research on Alzheimer's disease and metals. And you have to scroll down to cadmium and zinc. Um, and it is, I didn't just review it, and it's hard for me to remember it all myself. But um, I do not think there's any reason why uh, people should be worried about a modest zinc supplement. And, and it could actually help prevent Alzheimer's, in my opinion, from what the research says at this time. And it could definitely help vegans. So I recommend that people read that research. And if you ever wanted to have me on to talk about that research specifically, it could take, um, you know, uh, a few minutes, 10 minutes at least. Okay. Oh, so I'll leave it at that. fascinating. This is why I love your blog. We have a caller. Marissa, welcome to the show. Marissa? Okay. So, um, Jack, we'll wait for Marissa to reconnect. Now, okay. this, this is just a big old controversial question. There is an assumption in the vegan community that processed is this obscene word and that all processed foods are bad and if you want to be really healthy, you won't ever have one anytime at all. But you seem to have a different take on that. Yes, I do. So I, I do not agree that everyone should strive for a whole foods only diet. Um, and I don't think that a 100% whole foods diet is always healthier. 
than say a 75% whole foods diet. Um, each person is different and different foods are going to affect different people in different ways. I think people with slow metabolism who don't exercise daily or who are at high risk for diabetes or heart disease are better off erring on the side of a whole foods uh, as much as possible. But other people who are not at, at, at significant risk for these diseases uh, might need, might not do so well with so much fiber. Athletes in particular might have a hard time getting enough calories or protein if they eat only whole foods. And then just generally, I don't, I don't think that your average person is – your average vegan um, is going to suffer much if they eat some, some processed foods. And in particular, a lot of the processed foods in the vegan diet are, tend to be the soy meats, and those are high in protein, and that can be very satisfying. So um, I also find that some people on long-term, very low-fat diets seem to run into problems. Um, and this is just anecdotal evidence, but, um, some of them end up feeling better when they add more fat back into their diet. So I don't think people should have, unless they're treating their heart disease or something and under a, a doctor's supervision, I'm not suggesting you go against your doctor's recommendations, but if, if that's not the case, then there's no reason for someone to put pressure on themselves to never eat any processed food. And I think that in some cases it could actually, uh, lead to less ideal health than if you did include some processed foods. Oh, that's fascinating. So you don't believe that olive oil is the worst substance on the planet? No, I, I think the evidence is in favor of moderate amounts of olive oil as being healthy. Yeah, um, And Jenny Messina, my co-author, would definitely agree with me on that. Well, I know she would because I've asked her <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm half Italian, so every time I hear the olive oil thing, <laughs> it makes right. me happy. And I don't use a lot. What I do with it is is saute onions and garlic, and I just use a little. And when I need more, I switch to cooking wine or vegetable broth or something like that. So we're not talking, you know, a, a big old grease pan. <laughs> right. But exactly. I would have a hard time giving up entirely. Oh, our caller is back, Marissa. Hey. Hi, guys. I'm so glad. Can you hear me? Hear you beautifully. Oh, what? fantastic. You have a question for Jack? I do. I do. So I have um, a 13-month-old um, boy, and we are starting the weaning process. I have been um, taking DHA supplements, you know, throughout my pregnancy and, and now, and um, he's not going to be getting DHA. He's going to be getting... ALA, you know, through flax and, uh, you know, walnuts and canola oil and so forth. And I wanted to hear from Jack if he thinks that is just as good as a DHA and when, you know, is there a way to get DHA into him that's, you know, directly and not ALA? Yes, um, it's a great question. And uh, we don't have a definite answer at this time as to whether uh, he would need a direct source of DHA. But until we do know more, I would recommend providing him with uh, about 200 milligrams of DHA every other day. And, you know, DHA oh, how doesn't would, how would I taste do that? very good. Yeah. What? How would I do that? I bought this little yeah. um, Nordic Naturals vegetarian baby DHA, and it, to be honest, it tastes foul. I mean, it's, you know, it tastes Can pretty darn fishy. Can you mix it with something to cover the taste? Is that possible? For, I mean, has it, have you tried that and has it worked? Um, I have not just because it's, I don't want to ruin the flavor of the important calories I want to give him. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can uh, certainly yeah, can, try. Maybe test it out with something with a real strong taste that maybe is, that could, that could um, overwhelm the DHA. Um, other than that, I don't know of a way uh, to get him the DHA. I don't think it's something to panic about because plenty of vegan kids have been raised without DHA supplements. And, you know, it's all anecdotal evidence, so we, we don't have good good research on it. But they seem to do just fine. And it could be that the body um, ramps up the DHA production mechanism when you don't have a source from, from weaning. Um, it might be harder for older vegans to get for their bodies to create DHA than for kids to do it. Um, so okay. that's what I would, uh, that's the best info I have on at this time okay. about it. I hope that helps. All right. and, yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate questions. that. So we, we are doing some 
you know, flax oil, and we're doing some canola oil and so forth. So uh, how we're, does he we're take trying the flax to get that oil, because that's also kind of that doesn't taste great either. No, it doesn't. What I've I took a page from Drina um, Barton's book, and she mixes like when I give him um, sweet potato wedges, um, he likes to dip it into ketchup. That's like the funnest part of eating those. And then I put a little bit of flax into into the ketchup. I also put some barleens, omega three. It's like a they're sort of fruit fruit flavored ones into a smoothie. Only thing is, he does. I mean, these are such small amounts. He'll just have like you know, a few, he'll just have a few little sips of my smoothie. Um, yeah. So I don't know if it's quite enough. Um, I feel like I read in your book that it's like a half a teaspoon a day or something, which is which is hard to get into him when he only will consume such tiny amounts of things. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I'm not aware of any vegan kids coming down with the DHA deficiency, so... Um, I do think you should try to get him to eat his, you know, omega threes as much as you can, but I don't think it's anything to panic about. Um, if you don't meet the recommendations every day. So, okay. Yeah, like that you're covered. making an effort at all is more than what a lot of vegan kids get and they seem to do fun. Cause we didn't okay. even know about omega three when I was raising my daughter. I mean, it just popped up on the scene 10 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but gosh, he sounds like the luckiest baby anywhere. <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, we're very lucky to have him. He's a real joy. I don't know if you've heard him wandering around in the background, but he's he's a delight, and um, you know, and it's fun to be able to show off a happy little healthy vegan baby. <laughs> Aw, that's so cool. Thanks for calling, it's... Marissa. Thank and you. We... Thank you. And Lovely we're chatting just... with you. <laughs> Thank you. We're just up to break time, so stay with us through these messages. We will be back with more Main Street Vegan with our guest, registered dietitian Jack Norris, right after this. Reverend Paulette Pipe's voice has been called mesmerizing. The sound of spirit expressing in soothing honey tones. If you're one of the loyal listeners who tune in each week for her program, Touching the Stillness, you already know the power of her meditations. If her programs leave you wanting more, purchase one or both of her meditation CDs, Touching the Stillness, her first CD, and the newly released Resting in Stillness. This latest CD combines Paulette's alchemic voice with an original score by pianist Kelly Hunt and will transport you to a place of divine peace. Enliven your meditations with Reverend Paulette Pipe as your guide and take her soothing voice and peaceful presence with you wherever you go. Get your copy today. Go to www.unity.org and then click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on Shop at the top of the page. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says, we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels. Live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back. The call-in number, if you've got questions for Jack Norris, is 888-558-6489. You can also go to jacknorrisrd.com, not just to read his fabulous blogs and other information there, but Marissa, he specifically was bringing this up for you and anybody else that has a question, especially a complex question, you can contact him through jacknorrisrd.com. There's a sidebar that says contact, and he'll go back and forth with you on some of these questions that take uh, a little more figuring out. But I want to follow up, Jack, on Marissa's question, but this is about omega-3 fatty acids for adults. Why are they important? Why did we not know about them until recently? And what are we supposed to do about them? Yeah, and it's it it's a complicated issue because we we don't know for sure what's going on with it. There is a lot of research on it, but it's um, contradictory research in many ways. And uh, what it comes down to is that you know people have been touting the omega threes uh, from fish oil because some early research showed that it lowered triglyceride levels and that there was um, it reduced inflammation and that it could help prevent heart disease. And since then, there's been a lot of research done and, and uh, meta-analyses come out regularly trying to determine whether fish oil helps or whether fish helps and, and why. And um, it seems there seems to be a, a modest effect of eating fish at the very least. Um, however, vegans already have some lower – we already have low triglycerides and we already have tend to have lower inflammation. And so we don't necessarily need um, – the main omega-3 that causes that, which is EPA. DHA is, is the, the other long-chain omega-3 fatty acid. Both EPA and DHA are going to be found in fish oil. Um, and then there are some vegan supplements made from seaweed that contain, generally it's, it's mostly DHA, but some contain EPA as well. And then um, in fish, usually there's more DHA also. So, uh, where am I on this story here? That, so the DHA seems to be more of an issue for vegans because um, the body seems to readily convert ALA, which is the plant-based omega-3, which is a short chain, and it, the body read, uh, readily um, converts it into the longer chain EPA. But then it takes another step to convert it to DHA, and that's where um, it seems to be harder to do for um, vegans and especially as we age. So vegans tend to have low blood levels of DHA. Now, that doesn't mean that our tissues have lower amounts of DHA. I mean, it, we might think that it would reflect that, and that's the concern. But people's, we don't have any measurements of DHA levels in tissues, and, and um, so we don't really know. Um, sometimes the body can use another omega, long-chain omega-3 to stand in place of DHA. It's called DPA, and... Um, that may be one way to get your body gets around not having as much DHA. So it's all very complicated. And um, so in the meantime, I recommend that vegans supplement with a DHA supplement um, to be prudent. And I recommend two to 300 milligrams every two to three days. If you're over 60, I recommend doing it um, every day. So um, those are my recommendations for now, and it's not without controversy. Some vegan health professionals don't think that vegans need to be supplementing with DHA, and uh, but at this point in time, both Jenny and I feel like that is warranted. So if you buy the algae kind of supplements and it says EPA, DHA, we should be looking for that 2 to 300 milligram DHA level, correct? They usually come in 300 milligrams. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Now, you said something during the break that I found surprising, and that was that vegans tend to have higher omega-6 to omega-3 ratios than omnivores. Yes. That, that is just completely shocks me. Why are we doing omega so? Omega-6 to omega-3? Yeah. Oh, because our omega-6 intakes are really high. Um, almost any plant food that has any fat is going to have a lot of omega-6. Some of them have are also high in monounsaturated fats, um, which are not omega-3 or omega-6 or omega-9s. But um, 
even the foods high in monounsaturated are going to have a decent amount of omega-6. And then there's very little omega-3. So because there's so few little omega-3 in most plants and generally at least some, if not a lot, of omega-6, our ratios become very high and um, much higher than omnivores in general. So I recommend that we don't cook our foods with high omega-6 oils so if you're if when you cook at home, I recommend just using olive or canola oil, which are higher, which are lower in the omega six. They still have some, but not as much as say just regular vegetable oil or corn oil or anything. You know, generally any cheap oils are going to be pretty high in omega six. So I would get rid of those and use canola or olive. Peanuts not so bad. Sesame's not so bad, but it does have a decent amount of omega six. Now this is. It, this is also controversial. It may not even matter if, if vegans have high rates, high intakes of omega-6. So we may be doing all this for nothing, but at this time, um, the, the research points in the direction that we should uh, be limiting omega-6s, not getting rid of them altogether, but minimizing it. Okay. Wow, you know a lot. The book is Vegan for Life. The website is jacknorrisrd.com. Jack, what has science actually shown to be the benefits of a vegan diet? So uh, the benefits so, shown so far in the best uh, research we have, or at least the most um, optimistic, is that vegans in the Adventist Health Study 2 have had much lower rates of, of being diagnosed with diabetes. This study followed vegans. Uh, first, it did a, a cross-sectional look at uh, the beginning of the study, and they found that a vegan diet was associated with about uh, it, it. It really depends on how they measure it, but about a thirty percent risk of having diabetes at that time compared to non-vegetarians. And then, following vegans, following all these following all these diet groups for two years, the vegans also had about a thirty percent chance of being diagnosed with diabetes over the course of two years. Now, it's um, I would be much more comfortable to see the data after five years to determine how much of an effect of, of the vegan diet this actually is. But there's every reason to think that a vegan diet will help prevent diabetes because vegans tend to have a lower body mass index, um, and we that's going to contribute a lot to preventing diabetes. We also have lower iron levels, and there's uh, some research to indicate that low iron levels help prevent diabetes, um, and that's because iron is thought to be toxic in the uh, beta cells that produce insulin and which don't have the antioxidant mechanisms that other cells do. And so people with higher iron levels may be damaging their, uh, the cells that produce insulin. So, um, and in the Venice health study too, um, the risk of diabetes, the advantage that vegans had was independent of their body mass index. So there's a lot of reasons to think vegans would, would not have lower rates of type two diabetes. Um, I met, mentioned that vegans tend to have low triglyceride levels. Um, we have much lower cholesterol levels, about 160 compared to an average of 200 in the studies that have been conducted, um, 200 being for the, the non-vegetarians. Um, so we have about a 40-point lower cholesterol levels. We tend to have lower blood pressure, and so that hypertension is a big risk factor for many diseases. So um, those are those. I think I covered most of them there. Um, you know, with cancer, it's hasn't we haven't we don't have a lot of research on on uh, vegan diets and cancer, and there's a whole lot of you know research out there to predict what sort of cancer rates vegans might have uh, based on antioxidants and and carcinogenic uh, intakes. And uh, I'm just, I'm sorry, intakes of carcinogens, but that's all very theoretical so far. Um, the research is that vegetarians have slightly lower uh, rates of cancer than the non-vegetarians. So, um, but like I said, vegans haven't been studied close um, in large amounts, and they are being studied right now. And maybe within ten years, we'll have better idea of how much how protective a vegan diet is against cancer. Mm. So, I think I about covered it there. 
Yeah, you covered it beautifully, and I certainly think that's enough to get people's attention. Certainly, uh, if they're not concerned about the ethical aspects at the very beginning, and once they learn about those, it's kind of no contest. Now, I'm happy that you mentioned diabetes because our first question that came in uh, in an email is about that. She writes, there's diabetes in my family, and my fasting blood sugar has gone as high as 100. I'd love to be vegan for the animals, but the diet seems like all carbs, and that just scares me. Yes. Um, so people, listeners might have heard about PCRM studies where they use a, a whole foods vegan diet to treat people with type 2 diabetes and and they allow them to eat as much as they'd like to eat versus counting calories and carbs and, and that sort of thing on a typical um, diabetes diet. And the people do just as well as those counting the calories and carbs. And so what, what really tends to matter in type 2 diabetes is the type of carbs you're eating. If you're eating, uh, say, the, the carbs in beans, which compact, with their, first they're starch, they're not broken down all that quickly, and they're mixed with fiber. So fiber is going to re- reduce the rate at which the, the carbohydrates get absorbed into your bloodstream. And so you're not going to get the blood sugar spike, say, that you would get if you drank a glass of orange juice or soda. So um, it really depends on the carbs you're eating. Now, there might be some people that are particularly sensitive to carbs. Uh, there is some research in Stanford indicating that at least in terms of weight loss, certain people ha- are genetically predisposed to uh, being uh, doing better on higher fat versus higher carb diets. And that still has, there's probably a long way to go in figuring all that out. But it does seem to be the case that some people are different. So um, I don't know that the, the, the right, the person who wrote in is one of these people that needs maybe a higher fat diet, but in general, the uh, even though vegan diets are higher in carbohydrates, if you stick to the whole foods, it will be uh, release the carbohydrates more slowly into your bloodstream. Great. Does that? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Now, you mentioned orange juice, and our next question is about pomegranate juice. This person says, I read a book by a dermatologist who suggested drinking three to four ounces of pomegranate juice daily to encourage collagen production. But everybody says juice is all sugar and really terrible. Will three to four ounces hurt me? Well, again, if, if they... if. They're not at particular risk for type 2 diabetes. Three to four ounces of juice probably will not hurt them, especially if they exercise. I don't know that it's going to increase any collagen synthesis, though. That sounds kind of hokey to me. But until, I, you know, any, um, until I've looked something up, I don't feel confident as to whether it's true or not because um, you, I always hear things that are strange, and then if I look them up, sometimes they're true. So um, I don't think people are, uh, you know, but. That, that does sound a bit odd to me, but I don't think that it's going to hurt. Okay. Last question, not because we don't have more questions. We do, but we don't have a lot of time. I'm a gluten-free vegan, and I'm so sick of oatmeal. What can oh. I eat for breakfast that isn't boring? Um, I mean, there's the spelt products, and, you know, I, I don't. I would think that this person would be able to answer that more easily than I could actually, what would be good. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of information on the internet as to what you could eat gluten-free products for breakfast. That would just, I think, tend to be an individual type of question. Let's see if I can okay. think of anything particular. I mean, Well, if it's okay to talk about processed foods, and you said it was, <laughs> I do know that there's a company called Vans that makes a really nice gluten-free toaster waffle. So right. as the occasional alternative and, you know, get some tempeh bacon, it's all sounding very American. But speaking of the gluten thing, I have to say that I feel guilty because I tend to stay away from gluten because it actually doesn't make me feel good. I mean, I can eat bread or mm-hmm. pasta, but I tend to get kind of tired. If I have actual seitan, I get pains in my stomach and I don't have okay. celiac disease. But I feel guilty because I want to support all the vegan companies and the vegan process and the you know products and, and, and the mock meat. So what do you make of this whole gluten thing? Are we all just hypnotized? Uh, 
I, that's hard to say. I'd like to see more research done on the people that don't have celiac but have gluten sensitivities. Um, so far, the little research that has been done and that I've seen indicates that gluten may not be the problem that everyone thinks it is. But on the other hand, I have seen some research that claimed that vegans don't have the enzymes to break down a certain chain of amino acids that appear in gluten and that if we don't break these down, then they get absorbed into they can get absorbed into our bloodstream, at which point we can develop antibodies against it. And so maybe this could explain why some people that don't have celiac are having problems with gluten, which which would might po- might possibly be based on the fact that they could have leaky gut syndrome, which is another whole thing in itself. Um, and a controversial topic and not yep. clearly delineated in the science either. But, um, you know, I'd say if, if gluten makes someone feel bad, then they should not eat it and feel not feel guilty about not eating it. Definitely. That sounds good. And there's so much food in the plant kingdom. And, so and much I thought of one, beautiful I th- food. I thought of a breakfast food. Okay. It's not gluten teff. That okay. is um, what is the Ethiopian bread is made out of that you yeah. eat in Ethiopian restaurants. And that you can cook it kind of like oatmeal. And um, it's gluten-free. Sounds lovely. Jack Norris, registered dietitian, co-author of Vegan for Life, jacknorrisrd.com. Thank you so much. I'd love to have you back. Sure, anytime. Thank you. There's a lot to say. Thanks so much. And thanks, everybody. Please join us next week when we're going to be talking about fishes. Our guests will be Mary Finelli of fishfield.org and Jonathan Balcom, ethologist, who is working on a book about beings who live in the water. Thanks for being with us today. God bless you and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you. But God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
must serve a purpose. It must be part of something larger than itself, a part of humanity. If you're in harmony with this statement, you're going to want to tune in to Unity Online Radio's new show, The Traveler, Healing Journeys Through Music, with Kathy DeWitt, Minister of Music at Unity of Gainesville, Florida, Musician-in-Residence at Shands Hospital, and International Consultant for the Global Alliance for Arts and Health. You'll hear stories and songs about the healing power of music and meet folks who have been on both ends of it. Join us. Join in and share memories of your own meaningful musical moments Fridays at 1 p.m. Central Time. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 